Well, good morning. Good to see each and every one of you here this morning. It is definitely a joy to be able to come and to share from the word this morning. If you have your Bibles with you, uh, let's turn to Luke chapter 5. We're continuing in our series titled The Mission. So we're in Luke chapter 5, and I'll come back to that in a minute. The year was 1997. A man walked into a video store. Uh, we're dating ourselves here. How many of you remember what video stores look like? Or have ever been in one? Okay, that's half the room. For the rest of you, a video store was this. You went in there and you rented videos. You went home, you watched the video, and you had a certain amount of time to bring it back by. Because if you did not, let's say it was due at 8 o'clock that morning and you brought in at 8.01, they charge you an entire day's worth of late fees. So this man, uh, uh, I forgot his name, Reed Hastings. Reed Hastings had a, had a video that he wanted to return, walked into the store, got charged a late fine. And so he and a buddy, Mark Randolph, they came up with this idea, they came up with this business plan where they were going to start this business where basically you went on their website, ordered a DVD, they would mail it out to you, it would come in your mailbox, you'd pick it up, you'd watch it, you had as much time as you wanted, no late fees ever, you put it back in the envelope, shipped it back, a snail mail, back to, back to this company, and then you could order another one. Anyone know the name? Netflix. That is how Netflix started. So for all of you who take Netflix for granted, that's what we had to go through back in the day. Now. Netflix, when it first came on the scene, it was coming up against some big shots. It was coming up against Blockbuster. It was coming up against every brick and mortar video store. It was an underdog in its time. As a, as a matter of fact, the year 2000 rolls, rolls by, and uh, Netflix seemed like it was about to fly, um, kind of fall off, and, and so they approached Blockbuster, and they said, hey, we have a business model. It seems to be working. Would you buy it from us? Blockbuster said no. And how many of you remember Blockbuster? Netflix today is 151 million subscriber in 160 nations. Blockbuster has one store in the Midwest. <laughs> it's an underdog going up against some serious competition. One more example, real quick. Some of you will know this. The year was 1980, and the U.S. had an Olympic team going up against the Soviets. Who were they? The hockey team. Everyone, well, one part of the room knows. <laughs> So let me tell you the story for the rest of us. The year was 1979, and the Olympics were coming up the next year. The U.S. needed a hockey team. They did not have one. The Soviets had an incredible hockey team that was coming. And so they went out. They put out the, or the recruitment call, and they recruited a bunch of college kids who were good at hockey, but college kids going up against some serious competition. They went in, 1980 rolls around, they went in, and they beat the Soviets four to three. Incredible story, incredible story. They went on to beat Finland and to win the gold medal in the Olympics that year. One commentator put it this way, it's almost like the a Canadian all-star team um, who loved playing football, they went up against the Pittsburgh Steelers, who had won four um, Super Bowls at that time, and they beat the Steelers. That's what it felt like. So it was a great time for an underdog to go up against the giant. 
My question today, what does it take for that underdog to be successful? Put, your, put yourself in the shoes of those students. They made the team. They're on it, right? And the coach says, all right, now we've got some work. It's 1979, 1980s coming real quick, and you're facing the Soviets. How, how do you get from being recruited, being on the team, to actually winning, to be successful? And that's the question I'd like to answer this morning. The, a couple of weeks ago, we started this series called The Mission. And in The Mission, we've been talking about how Jesus came. When he came to this, came to this earth, when in, in his incarnation, he came with a message. He came with the gospel. He came with the message the kingdom of God was at hand. And he went out and he went out and brought out, brought in the outsiders, people who they thought would never be a part of the kingdom of God, would never be a part of the chosen. Jesus says, now they're being brought in. And then we heard last week about how he had this message and he had to go from town to town, he had to share and to give and to bring hope to the people around the place. Reminding us that we too have a story to share. We too have, a, have something that God has done in our lives that we are called to go out. We're called to bring in the outsiders. We're called to go reach people. And today I want to talk about a few people that Jesus called. Now if you look at their stories, you would look at them saying, they're definitely the underdogs in this story. Because they don't have the qualifications, they don't have what it takes, they don't have what it, they don't comprehend what it would cost them to accomplish what Jesus is calling them to. I don't know if any one of you feels like that sometimes. You know, there's this, there's this mandate that God is, uh, Jesus has given to all of us to go out and share. And we heard about that last week. And sometimes when we, come, when we come to that task, when we're tasked with, hey, share the gospel. Or bring, go tell people about what God has done. And sometimes even me personally, I'll be a little open here. I'm nervous. Butterflies in my stomach. I, I feel dread when I think about the magnitude of the task at hand. The fact that I have to tell somebody about Jesus. And it's it, it, questions like, what if they laugh in my face? What if they reject what I have to say? What if they think this is just a bunch of stories tied together and I'm, I'm believing a lie? And I think about all these things and suddenly I'm fearful of the task at hand. I feel like the underdog coming at the task. So what does it take for the underdog to be successful? What if they ask me questions that I don't have answers to? What if I have to do things that I am just not built for, I'm not qualified for? What if I get into trouble for sharing my story at work? What ifs? What does it take? for us to be successful. Well, let's turn to the story of Peter, James, and John. You see, if we don't understand this, this question, we sometimes get stuck and ineffective in where we are. We, we can't move. We're paralyzed by our fear. We're paralyzed by what, what we perceive of what can come against us, and we don't move. And so let's take a look at the story in Luke chapter 5. I'm going to read... Uh, 1 through 11, but I'm going to break it up into chunks and hopefully you'll follow me. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, him being Jesus, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. 
And he saw, two, he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So here's the context. Jesus is preaching, he's teaching, he's doing some incredible things, he's healing people. There's a lot of buzz around town about this new, new player in town. Jesus is going around and people are starting to follow him. People are following him from place to place, just wanting to listen to what he had to say. So he finds himself by the lake and there's this crowd of people, this large crowd of people who are thronging around him and he sees these boats. Right? Providence, what, what a wonderful time. So he jumps into one of the boats which belonged to Simon, Simon, who would be Peter, Simon Peter's boat, and he says to Simon, hey, let's, uh, let's take it out into, into the shallow water and from there I'll speak. And Peter says, great, yeah, let's do it. It says that there were the fishermen, they were standing by their boats, they were cleaning the nets. Cleaning the nets in the sense that they had just come back from fishing. So once they were back, they were cleaning the nets of all the gunk and everything that would have, caught, caught, would have gotten caught up in, in the nets. And so they're cleaning it. Some of the nets may have been broken. They're mending it. They're doing all this work so that they can go back out the next night. Now, Jesus comes along and says, hey, let's go out. I'll stand in the boat and I'll talk to the crowd. And, and so he does. See, on the surface, it looks like a coincidence. Jesus at the lake sees a couple of boats, sees a fisherman, jumps on the boat and speaks from there. It all makes for a great story. But if we pay attention to the story, and as we get to the end of the story, we realize something, that it was not a coincidence that Jesus was there. It was not happenstance that Jesus happened to just walk by this lake. It was not happenstance that it was the boat of Simon Peter and the, the other disciples. It was not a coincidence. You see, Jesus may have been talking to the crowds, but he was there on mission to receive his new disciples. He was there to call people out. You see, this is not the first time that Peter and James and John and Andrew are encountering Jesus. No, no, this is, he, they've actually heard of him. They've actually experienced him. As a matter of fact, rewind a few verses and you'll see Jesus healing Simon's mother-in-law. So he's experienced Jesus already. He's following Jesus. He knows he's heard of John the Baptist. He's heard of all these stories. And that casually they're following him. You know, whenever he's got a free moment, he's hanging out with Jesus for a little bit, coming back and fishing or whatever that casual relationship looks like. So it's not something new. And so when Jesus says, hey, let me go out in the shallow waters, he's like, sure, let's do it. Let's do it. But Jesus' mission is clear. He is there seeking his disciples. He is there to bring them out of this casual relationship into commitment. You see, you're here not by mistake. You're here in this room. You're listening to me. You're in this room watching me, watching us online, wherever you may be. It's not coincidence. There was a Savior who sought you out who came for you and me, who came lovingly, who came paying for our sins, who came to receive us in. And so the, the fact that you're here today, 
is proof of a person who came seeking for you. It's sort of proof of a God who came loving you, who came seeking after you. You were selected for the mission. And then we continue in the story, verses 4 through 6. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats, so they began to sink. Now suddenly, the story takes a turn. Peter and the other disciples, they're not, going, they're not looking to go back out fishing that morning. They were done for the night. They had toiled all night long. They had been out in the deep. They had done all the work. They did everything they could. Got nothing. And now they're back. And Jesus says, let's go back out. Now it almost seems like Jesus is overstepping his bounds here. There's one thing to be, you know, to ask somebody and they're being hospitable and say, hey, here you go. Here's the boat. You can, you can preach off of this. And, and now he's taking charge and he says, let's go even deeper. He's saying, let's move from the shallow into the deep. There's a lot of reasons for Peter to say no. One, it was the daytime. You didn't go fishing during the daytime as these, uh, as these fishermen do. As a matter of fact, historically, the nets that they used would be seen by the fish during the day, and so they used them at night. So he's got the wrong equipment, he's got the wrong captain of the ship, the captain, Jesus being the son of a, carp a carpenter, is telling an experienced, lifelong fisherman, saying, hey, let's go fishing right now. All of these circumstances doesn't add up. And Peter says, yeah, we've been down at the, in, in the deep, and it's, it's been a whole night, but... You know what? Because it's you, Jesus, because you say so, we're going to do it. But at your word, I will let it down. Let's take a moment to think about those words. But at your word. You see, even when it seems unlikely, even when Peter knew, hey, there's no chance we're going to catch anything. Even when Peter knew that this person probably has no experience, probably has no reason to tell me how to fish. Even when he knew that the equipment that he had was wrong. Even when he had all of these facts in front of him. He says, but Jesus, at your word, I will. Have you ever come upon a situation like that where you knew that God was calling you to do something? That didn't make sense. It's probably in your own expertise, in your own hobby, in the thing that you enjoy doing. And God is telling, let's try something else. Let's make a career a shift. Or you're looking for a job and there's a great one that's out there. And you know if you applied, you'd get it. And God's saying, maybe that's not it. And you say, wait, that doesn't seem like you, God. What if in those situations you said, but at your word, because you said so, because you're the one calling me to, I'm going to obey, I'm going to listen, I'm going I'm to do exactly what you call me to do. 
See, so often we talk about moving from shallow to the deep. We talk about wanting to know Jesus better. We talk about wanting to experience him better. Here's the first step. But at your word, we'll do it. It may not make sense. It may not feel like the right decision. But because Jesus said it, do it. All Peter had was the word of Christ to go on. He let down his net. And the word record, Luke records that they had caught a catch so big that the nets started to break. They called in reinforcements and their ships or their boats started to sink. That's how much fish they had. What would your response be in a moment like that? This is the greatest miracle you've ever seen in your life. Right? Think about your occupation. Think about the best case scenario in your op- occupation. Maybe it's the sales that you're looking at. Maybe it's, it's whatever the metrics you uh, gauge success by and double it or triple it. And that's what's happening to these people. In this moment, they're the most successful they've ever been. What's their response? This is what Luke records. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees and says, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. An incredible catch. A catch that would have sustained their families for a while. These men are not fishing as hobby. They're fishing for a livelihood. Their families are dependent. Their communities are dependent. And this would have gone a long way. Instead of going out into the world and proclaiming or even hiring Jesus as a consultant and saying maybe he actually does know what he's doing, bring him on, his response is, no, Jesus, get away from me. Get away from me because I'm a sinner. I have a past. The things I have done disqualify me from, me, uh, me from being in your presence. Because what Peter in that moment, see, this is, again, uh, let me remind you that this is not the first time Jesus is, or Peter is encountering Jesus. He's seen Jesus do things. He's seen Jesus heal his own mother-in-law. He's heard how Jesus preaches. He heard how Jesus teaches. And suddenly he's experiencing Jesus in an incredibly different way. A Jesus who not only has control over sickness, but now has control over nature. And his response is, I am in the presence of God. And if this is God, then I am unholy. I am a sinner. I am broken. And he falls down to his knees and says, Jesus, get away from me. Let me get back to that question that I asked. What does it take for an underdog to succeed? You see, Peter would be the best case story of of an underdog. No background. No experience. Nothing whatsoever. And Jesus calls him. And here he is falling down at his feet. What does it take for an underdog to succeed? See, Jesus calls Peter onto the team. He's already on the team, but he's going to give him an assignment. What does it take? Here's the first thing. It requires some buy-in. The mission mission demands buy-in. Peter looks at Jesus and he says, whatever you say, I'm going to do. Because 
not because of your expertise or whatever it is, but because I know who you are, I'm going to do it. Jesus is calling us today, calling you and me to do some things. And I don't know what your call is and what he's calling you to accomplish, what he's calling you to address. He may be calling you to fix something. He may be calling you to restore something. He may be calling you to address some uh, wrong. He may be, able, may be calling you to leave like he's called Terry. And he's calling you to sell all your possessions and uh, embark on this journey. Whatever that call is. It first requires us to accept who we truly are. He says, Lord, I'm a sinner. But at your word, I'll do it. God selects you and me to be a part of his community, of his people, of his mission. God's already extended the invite. He's already brought us in. But now how do you respond to that act? Do you respond with, hey, I know how to handle this. I know how to move forward. I know how to live my life. Or do we respond with Jesus because you said it, I will. At your word, I will. Well, let's move on. And it concludes that portion of scripture this way. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Peter, having this experience with God himself on his boat, falls to his knees in absolute fear and trepidation. He says, get away from me, Jesus, because you are holy and I'm not. And Jesus' response to him is, fear not. Don't worry, I've got this. We're okay. But the next phrase, from now on. I love that phrase. Because what that meant was it marked um, the moment Peter's destiny changed. It marked the moment now he has a new purpose in life. It marks the, new moment, the moment of a new direction for him to travel in from now on. Can you look back to that moment of from now on in your own lives? When you knew Jesus was calling you to something different, when you knew that Jesus was calling you to accomplish or to pursue or to, or, or to get into a relationship with or whatever it, was, whatever it is, from now on, Jesus is saying, yes, you're a fisherman. Yes, you have a past. Yes, you have all of this and you, whatever you claim is right. But now I'm reassigning you. Now your mission is be a catcher of men. If anything, that's a massive call because what does catching men even look like? See, in Peter's story, after Jesus is ascended back into heaven, Peter would go on and live the rest of his life preaching and teaching and bringing the outsiders into the kingdom of God. He would reach out. In one of his sermons, thousands of people would come to knowing who Jesus is. His mission was to go out and bring in the unbelievers. His mission was to go out and catch those who were lost. His mission that Jesus gave him was to be a catcher of men, a fisher of men. An underdog facing an incredible challenge. See, we too have a similar call. Last week we talked about this, that we too are called to go out. 
We too are called to go town to town. We too are called to go into our families and into our, into our circles and share. And like Peter, we too are called to be fishers of men. Now, I'm not saying that all of us, tomorrow you leave your jobs and you sell your homes and get ready to go. That's not the call that I'm talking about for every single person. There may be one of, you, one of you or two of you or three of you, however many, that God is calling us to. And if God is calling us to, come see us. Come talk to Terry. Come talk to Chuan. Come talk to our mission team. We'd love to talk to you about that call. But for the rest of us, what does that look like? What does it look like for us to be catchers of men? You see, the next point that Luke makes was as soon as they got to the shore, they left their boats behind. They left their nets behind. And most of all, they left all that fish behind. Fish that would have marked financial stability for their families. Their response was not saying, Jesus, hey, why don't you hold on for a second? Let me go take this to my family. Let me go make sure this is all sold. Let me go make sure that their, their futures is secure. The 401k is fully, fully funded. Let's go make sure of all that and then I'll come follow you. No. Their response was leave it all. Leave the nets. Leave the fish. Leave the boats and follow Jesus. Some of us are called to leave our nets. What are the nets that you're holding on to that should have been left a long time ago? What are the fears, what are the, what are the, the worries that you're holding on to that you should have left a long time ago? What are the security and the safety that you're holding on to that you should have left a long time ago? One of my favorite people that I often look up to is Gary Hogan. He's, uh, he's the founder of IJM, the International Justice Minister, uh, 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 Mission. And their goal is to rescue people who've been stuck in sex trafficking. And he recalls the time when he was called by God. He was working at the DOJ, at the Department of Justice, and he was called by God to start this foundation, start this, uh, this organization that would do this. Take no paycheck, take away all security. And he says, it sounded like a great idea. It was great, and I was ready to pursue it. But then the time came when I had to walk into my boss's office, hand in my badge, and say, I'm starting this. But instead, he walked into his boss's office and said, hey, give me a year's time off so I can pursue this. His boss declined, and he had to make a decision. And what he realized in that moment was, it was fear that was holding him back. It was fear of what would come if he actually went out and he did this. It was fear of whether he would be successful or not. It was fear that he would fail and people would look at him. It, would, it was fear that he would be embarrassed. It was fear that, he, that all of it would fall. But he said, as an, as an older person, I could not look back on this mission that God had given me. This mission to go out and rescue those stuck in that sex trafficking and then to look back and say, because I was afraid, because I was afraid to be embarrassed, I never did it. What does it look like for us to be successful as underdogs? The second part is this. The mission demands a step of faith. You see, for the disciples, 
In that moment, I'm going to call the worship team back up. For the disciples in that moment, it was an incredible step of faith. They had to step out not knowing how their families would be cared for. They had to step out not knowing what their, secure, their future would look like. They had to step out not even knowing what catching men meant. But they did. Gary Hogan had to step away from a comfortable job, from security and safety, and despite the fear. But he did. And for some of us, safety is important. Security is great. And there's a fear that if we lose these things, everything will come crumbling apart. But God is calling us to step out. So what does it look like for us to be catchers of men? For some of us, it is going out to the unreached places around the world. For some of us, it means going to your school. For some of us, it means going to your workplace. For some of us, it means going back to our families. And bringing hope, bringing peace, bringing the gospel. For some of us, it means starting a foundation, starting a home that helps addicts. For some of us, it means adopting the child that needs to be adopted. For some of us, it means stepping out and doing things in faith. Be catchers of men. I don't know what God is calling you to do today. But what he's doing, this mission, requires your buy-in. It requires you to fall down to your knees and say, God, I don't know if I am up to this task. I know my past. I know what I have been. And it all tells me that I cannot accomplish this. But at your word, I will let my nets go. At your word, I'll do this. And then it takes a step of faith. Step of faith to walk away from security, from abundance, to walk away from safety. Maybe God is calling you to reestablish a broken relationship. Maybe God is calling you to fix something you had broken a long time ago. Maybe God is calling you to you fill in that blank. But God is calling you to go out and do something in faith. Take that first step and see what God can do. Because you see Peter and those disciples, they stepped out. They took a step of faith and they are the reason we're here today. God revolutionized the world through their actions. Peter brought in thousands upon thousands of people into the church through his words. All because he took that step of faith. And so today as we close, as we take a moment to worship, please don't leave this, this room too quickly without asking God, what is it that you're calling me to stake? What is it that you're calling me to lay down at your feet? What is it that you're calling me to let go of? What is that fear that's inside of me, that, that worry that's holding me back? And help me, Lord. Help me. Take a moment to think, to pray. Even as we're sitting here or maybe you're in your living room, wherever you may be, take a moment to ask the Lord. So would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Father, we thank you for your word. 
We thank you for the stories of Simon, Peter, and James, John, Andrew, and all the other disciples who took an incredible step of faith. For that call that's on their life, for them as underdogs stepping in to a mission so incredible, to a mission so big that they would never accomplish it. Lord, help us like, like Peter to fall to our knees and say, Lord, I'm, sin I'm a sinner, I'm broken, but because you said it, I'm going to do it anyway. And Lord, help us to take those steps of faith. Help us to step out of our comforts. Help us to step out of our safety and our security into what you are calling us to. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for this mission that you've laid in front of us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.